All right, here we go. Moving life forward. So we're super excited every year. We pull out a couple of books of the Bible and we just preach hard on them. And so we've decided to go for James. So we're up for a four-week series on the book of James and I get to kickstarters today. Now, I love James. He's my kind of guy. He's a no-beat-around-the-bush. He's like, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. He's harsh. He's strong. He kicks our butts, but it's good. And so that's how he approaches us. He, he just says it like it is and he encourages us to do what the Bible says and that's how he goes. And so we're going to just jump on that bandwagon this morning. Is that good? Okay, so here we go. We're just going to start right up. I just want to say this though. I was supposed to be speaking on taming the tongue today. That was the brief that I made for myself. Um, and for the people coming, we always do briefs and we send them out, okay, this is how we're going to approach this. But you know what? The Holy Spirit spoke to me in the week. And he was like, no, you need to speak on something else. And I want to say this morning that I feel like this message is super timely. There's something in it that I have worked out in my life just these past month. And I feel like many of you are going through similar challenges of the mind, how you view life what your brain thinks about and we can talk about that today and how we can overcome starting in the mind. So if that's been your wrestle, you're in good company this morning because I feel like Holy Spirit is going to break through and change some of the cycles, some of the patterns that you've been seeing in your mind. Does that sound good? I always love it when Holy Spirit shows up and he's going to help us. All right, so we're going to start James 1 and verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, say wisdom, you should ask God, who generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe, say believe, and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Listen to this. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Well, James, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. We're skipping down to verse 12 where it picks up this theme of trials again. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood that test, the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, 
after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when fully grown or mature, gives birth to death. Anybody feeling a little heavy right now? Anyone feeling a little challenged right now? I mean, I could drop Mike and walk out and we'd all be like, oh, help me, Jesus. No, I've got some more to say about that. I'm glad. Okay, so, all right, here we go. So, I just want to share a little bit about our journey in the last little bit. So, in case you didn't know, we're moving building. (laughs) Oh, I don't know how any of you could have ever missed that memo, but... In the lead up to moving the, into our new building, um, I've been, I'm not saying this for, for pity or your mercy, but I've been pulling 15-hour days to comply with every council regulation and, and the building code. And, and I didn't even know there was a building code, but now I know there are about a million clauses in the building code, which we have to um, tick the boxes for. And it's wild and stretching beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. Not only that, but somehow it coincided that the house that we're building pre-start happened last week and I ended up having to attend three, three-hour meetings. Goodness me, to figure out where we're going to put lights and what handles on the doors we're going to choose. So that was nine hours in the midst of this crazy season that we're in. Not only that, Ewan is studying exams. He's sitting for a membership for small animal surgery in June. And so he's in the last like eight weeks. So every spare moment, he's got his books open. He's studying. He's working hard. If you didn't know, we also have four kids And that's intense and I work as a relief teacher and Ewan works 36 hours as a vet and we've got all of this stuff going on in our lives stretched like never before. And people say to me, Christy, how do you do it? And my response every single time is this, grace is real. It's actually really real. So this passage is so perfectly timed because the Lord is really speaking to me about how to walk victoriously through seasons where you need to persevere, not give up, not give up. So I want to tell you that if ever you want to be a preacher, you better be careful because the message that you're going to preach, God will work out in your life beforehand. So now you know that Real life is not a dream. It's not this land of magical, colourful clouds and unicorns where it sparkles confetti out of the sky. And wouldn't that be fun? It's like trolls. <laughs> I won't want to live there. But we know that real life is just not like that. Real life is full of twists and turns. It's full of um, new relationships, new jobs. It's full of seasons of joy and then seasons of sadness and hardship and mourning. There's ups and downs in life, right? There's laughter, there's tears, there's work and holidays. Say amen for holidays. We love holidays. There's births, there's deaths, there's friendships, there's betrayals, relationship breakdown. There are seasons of wealth and there are times of poverty when the money is tight. There are ups and downs in life. And the only thing that we can resolve is that life is going to come at us full force and there's not really a lot that we can do about that. Can I hear an amen? We can't do a lot about that. 
And James says, whenever you face trials, it was kind of like he's saying, not if, not, not you know, maybe one day you'll face a trial. He's like, no, whenever you face trials, the hard, the narrow, the busy, the overwhelming, intense, painful seasons are going to come. They're going to come. But the beauty in all of that, as we're going to find out, is that God uses them. He uses them along with our willingness to help us move life forward. Come on, who wants to move life forward today? Who wants to get out of a stuck space and move life forward? Anybody? Come on, anybody? Okay, couple, couple. All right. So, here we go. I need to tell you that in the past, in my life, if I had been confronted with everything that's going on in my life right now, the extreme, intense pressure and stretching, I would have internally crumbled. I would have been crying. You would find me crying at midnight on my computer. God, I can't handle this. I can't cope with this. It's too much work. I don't know what to do. You know, get me out of here sort of thing. That would have been the repetition in my mind. I can't cope. I can't do this. This is too much. God, what are you doing? And I would just be in tears. I'd be short-tempered. Hey, Yui. I'd be short with my kids. Get in the car. Get your clothes on. I told you to find your shoes. That would have been me because the stress and the anxiety of the mental repetition would have got to me. But God is doing something new in me and I believe he wants to do something new in you this morning that it takes an extremely stretching season to break open and break off some of those mental... Oh, repetitions so that you can see things a little bit more clearly. So not only will the trials come at us, but we need the trials to move life forward. How are we going to run this marathon of faith without being stretched? How are we going to make it beautifully to the end if we don't go through trials, if we don't mature, enlarge and grow? You know, being stretched is prepping you for breaking new ground and for taking back old ground. That's what stretching's doing. It's helping propel you into new spaces and new places. You know, last night, Kerry Kirkwood talked about the sheep in a paddock who jumped through a small hole in the fence and then he ate the good pastures so much that he got fat and he couldn't get back through to the other side. He was too big for it. And that's what trials do. They keep us moving forward. So that we're too big to go back. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be able to be standing here on the stage if I hadn't gone through some serious trials, some serious things. Okay, so let's talk about perseverance. So faith produces perseverance. That word perseverance in the Greek is huponome. Everybody say huponome. Huponome, you might want to use that in your vocab this week. It's such a fun word. It's quite nice coming off the tongue, huponome. Anyway, it means this. It means to remain under. And the picture that goes with the word is somebody under a heavy load and choosing to stay there. Choosing to stay there. Not trying to 
Get out from under the heavy load, not grumbling and complaining under the heavy load, not wishing it wasn't me under the heavy load, but having that heavy load and choosing to stay there, choosing to let it do the work in us. Everybody say, eek, eek, staying under the heavy load. So I love how James writes this first chapter. He's a logical guy. He uses equations to show us how good things come forth. So I've taken the time, everybody, to write some formulas based on James 1 for, I've called it this, James formula for testing, for the testing of our faith. James formula for the testing of our faith. So James is saying that, that this is a test of our faith. So if it's a test, obviously there's a result that God is looking for. There's something that he's looking for in you. He's testing your faith. He's looking to see if your walk with God is actually real or if it's just lip service. He wants to know how deep it goes in you. That's what he's looking for. He said, I'm testing your faith through trials to see what your response will be. Are you ready to find out the formulas to real faith this morning? Are you ready? There's three options, actually. James gives us three options. And are Any mathematicians in the house today? Mathematicians? Mr. Blakemore, mathematician? Uh, any scientists in the house today? Dr. Blakey, that, that'd be you. So, sorry if I put you to shame, but, you know, my algebra as a primary school teacher isn't fantastic, but... Here's my formulas, okay? So here's the first one. This is the formula that you, that you really want to follow. Okay, so, um, so let me just explain this. So the first formula is that James is saying is that trials plus joy equals perseverance. And then the second part of that formula is the finished work of perseverance plus asking for wisdom in faith equals maturity and completion. That's basically what that scripture is saying. That if we do all of those steps, then the end result is maturity and completion. Are we all there? Do we get that? Yes? Sort of some of us? All right. Uh, the second option. Let's look at the second, the second formula. The second formula. Okay, so... James is saying, this is the second possible option for the testing of your faith, the second possible result. He's saying the first part, same again, trials plus joy is, equals perseverance. But then the next part, the finished work of perseverance plus asking for wisdom in doubt equals nothing. There's no result. There's a little bit of perseverance that's been established here. But there's nothing. We don't get the maturity. We don't get the completion because we've asked for wisdom in doubt. And that's exactly what James says. So what happens with this formula is that God sends us round the mountain again. He's like, hey, everybody, have another go. Retest, retest, because I desire so much for you to come into maturity and completion that I'm going to give you another go. And he doesn't even ask our permission. He just gives it to us. So retest. This one's a retest. Have another go. 
Okay, the third formula. Let's have a look at the third, or as I call it, the sinister replica. Everybody say that, sinister replica. This is based on verses 12 to 15, where we skip down. And it is a replica, because it's the same, it's a formula. One thing leads to another thing, which leads to another thing. But this time it's this. That step one is trials plus our own desires equals sin. And then sin, fully grown, matured, which still happens if you do it the other way, equals death. Everybody say death. Death. So one formula, the best way, brings maturity and completion. One brings a retest and one brings death. So I'm going to ask you, which are you choosing today? Which are you choosing? I want to tell you that death in this context doesn't mean a literal death. It actually refers to the continuation of personality, but in a changed state. That's what death means in this context, and I'll show you in a sec. So in James' equation, there are factors that just happen because it's just life and life comes at us. There are factors that happen because God puts his hand in the situation. But there are factors in these equations, everybody, that we are responsible for. There's parts of the formula that only we can do. And the end result will depend on us. I'm going to show you what those parts are. So let's go back again. Just go forward though, guys. Um, And look at our formulas again. But this time, everybody, I'm helping you to see the parts that we're responsible for. Okay, is it, are we on the same page here? Is everybody kind of getting, okay, all right, great. Okay, so um, science listen today, everyone. Just let me blow my nose. So, keeping it real. I don't know, when I preach, my nose runs. Everybody say, God bless you. All right, let's get back to it. Um, okay, so highlighted our responsibility, okay? Trials, we, we can't do anything about that. Joy, that's our responsibility, equals perseverance. Our, our job is to have the finished work of perseverance and asking for wisdom in faith, that's our job too, the result being maturity and completion. Okay, that's formula one. Okay, formula two, please, guys. So formula two, same again. Joy, our responsibility, and the finished work of perseverance, our responsibility, asking for wisdom in doubting, also our responsibility. Yes? Third formula, please, guys. Okay, trials, own desires. That's our responsibility, equals sin. Sin fully grown and matured. Actually, that really is up to us too, but I'm just not going to focus on that part today, equals death. So, as you can see, there are four areas in these equations which are our responsibility to get the desired outcome. Joy, the finished work of perseverance, asking for wisdom, either in faith or doubt. And the fourth thing, because I can't lift up, anyway, (laughs) is our own desires. They're the four things that we are responsible for to get a good outcome from our trials. Are we all on the same page right now? Are we all like, is our brain making strange noises or are we all good? We're good? All right. 
Oh, I've still got 11 minutes. That's phenomenal. Okay, so all of these four things have one thing in common. It's perspective. It's our own perspective in life. Our own perspective will either heal us or keep us broken. It will propel us forward or it will keep us remaining in the past. It will either let us become mature and become whole or lead us to sin and death. So I'm going to take us through these four factors today. Let's unpack them so you know how to approach them so you can win your trials. You can have victory in your trials. Who wants victory in your trials? Come on, we all want victory in our trials. But as we talk through these four factors, I want to encourage you this morning to be aware of your mental language because that's key for your outcome. Be aware, write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, this is such good stuff, you should totally take notes. Be aware of your mental language. Be aware of your mental language. It's key for outcome. Okay, so let's look at joy, everybody. Joy is the first one that we're going to look at. James says, consider it pure joy, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. So the question is, is James a sicko? Is he not right in the head? He doesn't just say joy. He says pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Why is he saying that we can have pure joy in a range of trials? James is not a sicko, everybody. It's just that his reality of joy in his own trials is so firmly rooted in his perspective of the meaning of life that no matter what comes his way, he has joy. He's not saying to us, hey team, walk around with superficial glee with a spring in your step and a fake smile on your face pretending everything's okay. That's not what he's suggesting, actually. Not superficial glee. But let the trials that you are currently in remind you of who God is and how he loves you. Let your trials remind you of how he protects you and how he provides for you. Let him remind you about who he is for you in this current moment. That's joy. That's how we can get through trials when we focus on who God is and what he says over us. Come on. Preaching myself happy. Your trials are not for nothing. God doesn't let us walk through hard things because he's a sicko. No, he loves us. His trials is that his, his goodness and his kindness was that he'll lead us forward into love, into maturity. It's his kindness that keeps us moving forward. It's his love for us that he doesn't want us to stay in one spot. He wants us to keep moving life forward because he loves us. He's like, you can be the best version of yourself if only you will harness joy and push forward. Come on, that's our God for us. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, he's not going to leave us halfway. What he started in you, he's going to finish. And you've got to partner with him in that, in joy. So you either get to have 
one of two mentalities in the midst of hard seasons. You can either have a mentality of suffering, abandonment, grumpiness, impatience, frustration. Or you can take the mental option of joy because it's all up here what you choose. You get to choose. You get to choose. We either get to process our thoughts in such a way that reflects on the goodness of God or the hardship of what we're enduring. Here's two quick points to help you choose joy. Look forward when life is tough. When you're going through a hard thing, you need to look forward. Even Jesus looked forward when he was about to endure the cross. Hebrews 12.2 says, For the joy set before him. Do you know that was actually you? You were the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, the trial, the shame, the pain. He scorned its shame and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If enduring a cross is not a trial, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm really not sure what is. But yet here was Jesus about to endure something incredibly hard and yet he had his heart poised on joy, looking forward looking forward. So what is the joy set before you right now? What are you doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? If there's no purpose in what you're doing, if there's no joy set before you, maybe you need to reconsider what you're doing. Or alternatively, maybe you need to have a thinking reformation to teach yourself to look for the joy in what you're doing. Come on, there is always joy. You know, when I think about 85 Verde Drive and everything that God is going to do through that place, I mean, it's, it's just a building, but it's going to open up doors that we couldn't really open up here. I, I, and I think of the people who are going to get saved. And I think of the people who are going to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ because we keep saying, yes, I can persevere through this stretching season, through the phone calls. No, your building still doesn't comply. Your building still doesn't comply. I can do that for the joy set before me. You know, you and studying, working, being a pastor, being a husband, being a dad, he can persevere through the study because there's joy set before him. He's going to be able to work less as a vet, earn more money, provide for his family and be more invested in the church. There's joy to look forward to. So what are you looking forward to? What is the joy set before you? Because I'm here to tell you that the calling on your life is a joy and not a burden. The calling on your life, everybody, is a joy. It's not a burden. Okay, the second quick thing about how to choose joy is just to spend time with God. It's just to actually be in his presence because it helps us to have the right mindset when we hang out with God. You know, we spend time with him and we come out with a great mentality, with positivity, with peace. And then we can enter back into trial zone and we're carrying something of God on the inside of us that propels us forward. We choose to not focus on the hardship, but we can look at the joy. I've started doing these great beach walks. I started at the beginning of the year and twice a week. It doesn't always happen, but I'm aiming for two. 
I dropped the kids off at school and I head straight to the beach and I walk from port to cot and back. And I put in my headphones and I worship my heart out and I pray. The way up, I pray for you. And the way back, I just worship. And it has been life-changing, actually. Revolutionary for me. I mean, I pray all day in the car, picking up the kids, working, whatever. I'm praying. But actually to have just a bulk load of time to worship, to tell God who he is and to have him tell me who I am to him is helping me walk through challenging seasons. Okay, let's look at the finished work of perseverance. So perseverance is one thing, and that's a result that you get from trials plus joy. You get perseverance. But finished work of perseverance is something else altogether. It's a commitment to not giving up in the beginning, in the middle, or at the end. We need to start well, we need to stay well, and we need to end well. Do you know something that God's been showing me is that even though great God's grace is showering down and all we need to do is ask and pray for it, do you know we can actually disqualify ourselves from the grace of God by the way we think? If our mind is full of negativity, how can we embrace God's grace in that place? It just washes over us and we, can't, we don't actually enter into it. Do you know perseverance means this? the frame of mind which endures. It's about the frame of mind that you have. So go ahead, right now, assess your frame of mind. What is your head full of? What's going on, on repeat, in your mind? I mean, maybe some of you here today have been wanting to give up. You've been wanting to throw in the towel. You need to make a choice to lean into God's grace, to embrace his grace. You know what grace says? Grace says things like this. Grace says you can do it. Grace says you're built for this. Grace says I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. For me, nothing's impossible and I'm with you every step of the way. Grace says let's do this together. I've anointed you, I've equipped you, I've empowered you, I've given you everything. You can do it. That's what grace says. And if you're believing anything else up here, you're not leaning into the fullness of grace that he has for you. Come on, this is changing my life. It is changing my life. Okay, let's talk about asking for wisdom in faith or doubting. This is just so harsh. But James says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Hello, this was written to Christians. He's addressing his own people right now. What is doubting and and how can we get this so wrong? How was it even an option for us that we could receive nothing because we're doubting? I want to talk to you about what that word means. It's diacrino. Say it, diacrino. It's got a roll on the R. Diacrino sounds almost Italian. It's so great. It means to withdraw from 
and by implication oppose. So doubting means when we doubt, we're withdrawing from God. And by implication of that withdrawing, we're actually opposing him. That's what doubting means. So let me tell you some other thoughts then that withdraw us from God and by implication oppose him. Well, doubt. Doubt says this, God's not with me. He's abandoned me. I can't trust him. I don't know if God is real because this is hard. Fear. Fear says this, I can't take risks. What if I say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing? What if I fail? What if people don't like me? Fear is all the what ifs. Negativity. Negativity says this, I can't do this. I'm not worthy enough. This is too hard for me. I'm a failure. Everything is bleak. I can't. I won't. No, 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 no. Self-pity. One of my favourites. No one cares about me. I'm doing this all on my own. No one loves me. I can't change. I can't do anything. I'm powerless. That's what self-pity says. Blame, another good one. This wouldn't be me if it wasn't for insert person's name here. Or if this didn't happen to me, insert circumstance, I wouldn't have been where I am today. That's what blame says. And if you're thinking any of these thoughts today, Oasis Church, I'm going to tell you something hard right now. You need to know that not only are you withdrawing from God because that's not his thoughts towards you, you're actually opposing him. If those thoughts are in your brains, you've got to stop it. You've got to change. Because you're opposing your maker, the God who loves you. Some of us just need to stop. You say, how do I stop? 1 Corinthians 10.5 says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So everything that is in your mind that is lying to you, You take it captive. You throw it to the ground. You make it obedient to Christ. Because I can guarantee that is not what he's saying over you. Come on, church. We're heading into new territory, new ground. And we're taking our thoughts with us. We don't have to stay in this place. We can stop these thoughts and enter into God's grace in a moment. I've started to speak myself happy. I've started to think myself happy. I've started to declare over myself, you can do it. Just ask Yui every day. I say, I can do it. And I look at my kids and I say, you can do it. You can have an awesome day today because God is with you. He loves you. He cares for you. You can speak yourself happy. Try it. I taught you how to laugh yourself happy a few weeks ago. You can speak yourself happy. As well, I can do it. I am called by God for such a time as this to do what he's asking me to do. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's stretching me beyond anything I've ever known before. It's painful.
struggle. It's hurting me. It's requiring more of me than I ever thought I had to give. But I can do it because God is with me. I can do it because I'm equipped by God to do this thing. Come on, are you listening this morning? We can do it. We can do the hard things. Okay, now I'm getting sweaty. Okay, number four. Everybody, the last thing I'm going to finish. I'm sorry, I'm over time, but this is really great, huh? Well, I like it. Um, and it's, J- it's James. This is James' work. Um, the fourth thing that is up to us, everybody, is our own desires. And this is where it gets tricky because trials are tests and they're not meant, they're not, they're not for harm. They're not God bringing you harm. But we make them harmful when we respond out of sinful desires and not surrender to God. We make them harmful when our result, when our sinful desires are what we use to cope. Hey, church, I want to tell you that we need to develop a framework for dealing with hard things when they come our way. We need to have a plan. I mean, we all probably know people who have stopped walking with God because the pressure of trouble got too great and they backed off thinking that God wasn't for them. In fact, he is all the time. But sometimes life just gets too hard. So we need to know how we deal with hard situations so that we don't do the same. We don't want our trial outcomes to be retest or death. We want our trial outcomes to be maturity and completion, not lacking in anything to be a whole person. Death actually sets a completely different course for our lives. You know, Kerry last night, he said this, Adam in the Garden of Eden chose his own desires and it led to death. It actually put a curse in the earth, changed his life and the rest of humanity forever. But Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he's about to take the cross, he says, God, if you can take this thing from me, then I ask you to, but otherwise, not my will, not my desire, but your desire. And you know what that did? It brought life into all the earth. The decisions that you make in the midst of hard things will either bring death to you and the people around you or life to you and life to the people around you. So what will you do in hard times? Have a framework. Be ready for temptation. Know your weaknesses. Know how to respond to them. Have a plan in place for your weaknesses. I cannot have chocolate in my house. I cannot. I'm on 30 days sugar-free. Just can't have chocolate anywhere 50 metre radius or we're in trouble. What is your weaknesses? Have a plan. And you know what? It's not God who's tempting you. That's what he says. It's not God who's tempting you. He doesn't even mention the devil. He's saying, you tempt yourself, actually, when you follow your own desires. You put yourself in a place. (laughs) Sobering, huh? Some of us go around blaming the devil for everything. And it's actually just us. Hard, but true. 
Okay, so I don't know what state you're in today, where this message finds you. But we need to keep moving forward. We need to keep moving life forward. Worship team can come on back up. I don't want to stay in a stale, musty, mouldy space. I want fresh bread, new life, a new way of thinking every day. I want to grow. I want to head toward maturity and completion. I want to be alive in God. I want fresh encounters with God. I want to, I want to have my perspective that when the hard things come, it's because it's God enlarging me for something greater. Come on, we can do this. So how are you going in the hard things? The good news is that even though those formulas are real, our God is the God of second chances. He's the God of a million chances, a billion chances. He will give you as many chances as you need to get it right. He doesn't shame you. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't say, you loser. It's taken you 15 years to get a hold of this. No, he's like, try again. Try again, I'm with you. Try again, I love you. Try again, we can do it together. Try again, my grace is sufficient for you. Try again. Try again. Try again. Try again. I can take that death and I can bring life into the dry places again. Come on, church. Again and again and again. He doesn't say, okay, two chances, that's it. You're done. You failed twice. You're out. He's not that God. He's just not that guy. He's the God of the second chance, the God of the billionth chance.